gives us a trilogy with one theme. Three parables with one theme. That's right. The lost. Jesus said that I came to do what? Save, Save that, which was lost. that which was lost. Luke presents Jesus in his book as the son of man. Why is that important? Jesus called himself the son of man. Why? Because if you start at the beginning of the book of Luke, the first thing you see is a genealogy. And in that genealogy, he takes his genealogy back to the first man, who was Adam. The book of Luke, Jesus is the son of man. He takes the book back to Adam, the first man. Why? Because that's where sin entered. That's where we fell into a state of hopelessness. That's where we became depraved. That's why we're living in times that we live in today. That's why we have COVID. That's why we have war. That's why people are, are hating one another. That's why there's the, the, all the things you can think of. That's why there's famine in certain countries. People dying of starvation. That's why there's greed. That's why you know, you've got billionaires that have more money than they'll ever spend, and then you got people that have nothing to eat at all. And they can't even grow food. Right. They have to have people go to them and take them food. The inequities that we see. All of them because of the beginning with that first man, Adam. But the Bible talks about there's another man, a second man. The second Adam. Whose name is Jesus. He came to bring us hope. Yes. But we're going to look at these verses in the chapter. I'm not going to read the whole chapter because it's kind of a long chapter. But, but Luke looks at these three uh, stories. Two of them, I believe, are parables. One of them I don't think is a parable. The last one we're going to talk about the parable of so-called parable of the prodigal son. I don't like that word because prodigal actually means he's, he's an overspender. So that's really not what it's about. But when we look at the word parable, a parable is, is simply a natural or a, uh, a, an earthly story with a spiritual meaning. That's the easy way to understand it. So we're going to be looking at the word lostness because that's what these three stories are about. Lostness. That's probably a word you never heard of, lostness. But you know what lost is? Yeah. It, sister, sister uh, Camille was talking about lostness this morning. <laughs> Uh, and I, and if, if you've never been lost, raise your hand. Because I think we've all been there. Yes. Thank God for GPS. Yes. Because now I, don't, I almost never get lost now because of what? GPS. Ground positioning system. It's not working. But it didn't work in the mountain. Right. Yeah. But thank God for our GPS, our God positioning system. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. The yeah. word of God. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So, so that word lostness, but we're gonna, so the word lost, you know what it means. Everybody knows what it means to be lost. It means you can't find your way. Right. It means that you're spinning in circles. You know, it means you're disoriented. If you're out on sea, you're, you're adrift. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's what lostness, lost means. We've, we're going to look at the prodigal son story. Now, let me tell you something about the, the 15th chapter of Luke because that story of the prodigal son is very, very interesting 
and it has been referred to as the crown and pearl of all parables in the Bible. We've read a lot of parables in the Bible, but this one here is called the crown and pearl. You've heard of a man named Charles Dickens, right? Right. He, you know, he's written a bunch of books. He's he wrote, uh, uh, how many have read The Tale of Two Cities? Yes, yes. You read that? Long, 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 long. <laughs> That's the longest book you can yeah. find. It's, it's a long, long book, but it's powerful. He also wrote one I know most of us have, have seen on television, A Christmas Carol, mm -hmm. right? That's yeah. where he has, he, he, he visits Christmas, Christmas past, Christmas present, Christmas future. Yeah, we all know that. But this man, who was that avid of writing, he's that greater writer, says about the prodigal son story, he refers to it as the finest short story ever written. Now, if I had said that, you'd say, you're right. But this is Charles Dickens that says this. So, so I'm just saying that to give you a hint. Maybe you better go back and study this thing because it's maybe something a little bit more than you thought. But we're going to look at a little bit of it today. I'm just going to give you an overview of the first two stories. The first two stories, the first one is about a man, a shepherd, who had a hundred sheep. He, he had a hundred sheep. One of the sheep gets out. He runs off and gets lost. So this shepherd goes and looks for this one sheep, leaves the 99 for the one sheep. Keep in mind those, those hundred, you got a hundred sheep, you lose one. But why is one so valuable? One, you got 99 more. Could have let him go. But no, he goes and he finds him. And when he brings him back, he puts him on his shoulder. He didn't beat him back. He didn't say, get back. He didn't kick him back. He didn't drag him back. He put him on his shoulder and brought him back. Isaiah 46, 4, it reminded me of this verse. It says, even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you, and I will carry you. You see, when, you're, when you lose strength, when you, like Camille was saying, there's times when we lose strength. There's times when we don't know our way. We get lost. But he says what? I will carry you. Thank you. Deuteronomy 131 says a simple thing. It says, in the wilderness... There, there you saw how the Lord your God carried you. As a father carries his son. I know about carrying sons. I got three of them. And when they were little, I'd carry them. My, my, my youngest had colic. And then my wife worked days, and so she couldn't be up all night. So it was me and Timothy walking around at 5 a.m. in the morning. He's crying and screaming. But that's how the Father will do it. He will carry us yes. when we need strength. Amen. Yes. So the first one was about a man with a hundred sheep. He finds a sheep. He comes back, brings him back on his shoulder. And he says, for everybody to come, rejoice with me. Because the sheep that was lost has been found. Yes. Right. Amen. And then he not only says that, he says that all heaven rejoices. Okay. But I'm going to tell you why they rejoice in a minute. The second one is about a woman and, a, and some coins. She has ten silver coins, mm -hmm. loses one of the coins, mm -hmm. so she takes her lamp, looks throughout all the house for this one coin, valuable coin. Why is it valuable? Because those coins were part of a set. That, that set was like a necklace that she was given when she was married. 
that was like the wedding ring we were we were on our fingers. Can you imagine losing your wedding band? Because that wedding band is a representation of what? A covenant, right? Amen. So same thing with her. She looks until she finds that coin, finds it, and then she goes and tells all her neighbors and all her friends, come and celebrate with me the coin I lost, I found it. Yes. Right. Right. Amen. Same thing with her. All of heaven rejoiced. But why did they rejoice? They didn't just rejoice because the, the, the things lost were found. The scripture says all heaven rejoices when one sinner comes to repentance. It's not just about being found. It's about being found and turning around. All right. Amen. Amen. John 15, 16 says, you didn't choose me. All right. I chose you. What am I talking about here? I'm talking about we have value to the Lord. Amen. Ephesians 1, 4 says, even before the world was made, mm -hmm. God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Mm -hmm. He chose us, why? Because he thought we were valuable. All right. Amen. So these all found what was lost. And repentance, though, is the key to this whole thing. So secondly, let me tell you four things we learned from those two, because those two parables will lead us into the prodigal son. But there's four, three things, three things that we learned. First of all, we learned that the lost cannot find themselves. All right. A lost sheep that is lost is going to be lost forever because sheep are what? Dumb. They're dumb animals. It's interesting that God used sheep as comparisons to us. I don't care what kind of PhD in physics, uh, astro, whatever you got, God looks at us and says we are like dumb sheep. Helpless. A sheep that is left alone will die. He can't find it. He can't hunt. He won't even run if the wolf comes. That's how dumb they are. So the shepherd thought that that one sheep was of great value because that sheep, he loved the sheep. Now that coin, he, she wanted that coin because that coin represented something. It represented something very, very special to her, her covenant with her spouse. In essence, for us, our, we have a covenant with the Lord that we have to treasure. So the first thing is, the lost cannot find themselves Someone else has to go and seek them out and find them. The second thing is, it reminds us of our utter depravity. We are hopeless and helpless as humans to find ourselves, to save ourselves. Just like that coin, wherever that coin falls, that's where it's going to be. That's where it's going to lay. It's going to lay right there in the cushion of that seat in your chair, or behind that table. It's gonna, it'll just sit there. That's where we are. We cannot save ourselves. Then the third thing it reminds us is that even though those things, the coin and the sheep, were lost, they still had value. That, that, that those that owned them still thought of them as valuable. Valuable enough where they would make sure to go and find them. So when we look at the verses, and I'm not going to read the verses straight through. I'm just going to hit on some verses in that chapter. You should go home and read chapter 15 of the book of Luke yourself. 
But when we, I'm going I'm to talk about a couple of, let me read the first two, two verses of the chapter because the first two verses of the chapter kind of pivot from that point as to why those three stories are told. And here's what's happening. It says in verse 1, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Oh my God. What a horrible thing. Eating with people. Right? Sinners. That's what they call them, sinners. All right. How many of us ate with someone this morning when you had breakfast? Did you eat by yourself? How many ate with... Okay, so so did you eat with a sinner? Yes. Yes, because we're all sinners. We're all sinners, right? But this is why they were complaining. Jesus is sitting there eating with sinners. And why, why, why you think that's funny is because we know that that's what he came into the world to do. Mm, he right. came for that purpose. Mm. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Mm -hmm. Which means what? Us sinners. Mm -hmm. Look at verse 12. The, this is where okay I guess I'm going to read a little bit here. Verse 11. So it says to illustrate the point further Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between the sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. I'm going to stop there for a moment. So you see what's happening in verse 12. Here's what he's basically saying. Daddy, I want my cut of the inheritance now. I don't want to wait for you to die to get it. I want it now. I mean, first of all, the disrespect is out, out of, out of, it's just over my head. I don't understand how you can talk to your dad like that, who is the one who has who is allowed you to have this. And has it, and it's for your future. Right. And so we know that this father, this loving father, and we, you know, we think of this as some young kid, maybe a teenager, 19. This guy's probably 40 years old because they stayed there with their families until the, until the father died. So this is not a young man. But you see the arrogance. I want mine now. I can't wait for you to die. Wow. 13 to 16. It tells us that he went to a distant or far country. A distant <laughs> land. And let's face it. His heart was gone before he left. Right, right, right. But think about it. This is where we are when God finds us. We're far from him. You know, Jesus said somewhere, he said, with your lips, you honor me, but your heart is far from me. And a lot of times we do that. We go to church, and we sing songs, and we talk about it, but where are we, where, where are we really? Where are, where's your mind really? How many, you know, people listening to this, or how many people are in church right now, they're sitting there, and the preacher's preaching, and they're thinking about, oh, I'm going to cook the dinner, cook the dinner today. You know, those darn kids, you know, they won't act right. You know, so there's always something on our minds. And sometimes we're far from God. We're not close to God. 
We might be in the vicinity of the church. But see, this is where we understand that church is not God. The church building is not God. We have to keep that in mind. So he went to a distant land. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that seems right mm -hmm. to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Mm -hmm. Why did I say that? It's because when you, we keep reading, this is what happened. Verse 14, he went to, a, verse 13 says he went to a distant land and he wasted all the money he got. Wow. That was for his future. Yeah. That, was a, that was money that's supposed to be for him when daddy's gone, for him to take care of his family. He wasted it. Verse 14 says, about the same time his money ran out, a great famine hit. What a coincidence. <laughs> this is what God does, though. He sends us and allows us to go to certain places, do what we want to do, until finally we realize that maybe this wasn't such a good idea. Maybe I should have stayed home with Daddy and be bored, you know. How kids, you know, kids, this is what, this is how kids think, you know. I'm bored, you know. And I understand, especially with this COVID that we just got out, of how people, especially the kids, were bored, you know. But sometimes you just have to be wait. You have to wait and be patient. This is why the scriptures tell us what be patient. It says, wait on the Lord. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So verse seventeen. This is where this whole thing starts to turn around. So first, let's see, let me read 15 and 16. It says, he persuaded, well, let me read 14 again. About the time his, about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. All that money he had, wow. now he's starving wow. to death. <laughs> Verse 15 says, he persuaded a local farmer to hire him. Remember, now keep in mind, he's in a far distant land. He's no longer in Israel or wherever, you know, the, the, the thought is. He's no longer there. He persuaded the local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into his fields to feed pigs. Right. This is a Jew. Pigs are unclean animals. Anytime a Jew finds himself in the, in the, in the swamp with pigs, that's the bottom. Yeah. That's the bottom. And so for some people, we have to hit bottom before we wake up. This young man hit bottom, and sometimes that's what God needs you to be, in the gutter. Sometimes we're, oh, we're hooked on the bottom. Sometimes God needs you to be in the gutter. Because only for some people, the only way they'll look to God is when they are flat on their back, and they can't do anything but look up. But look at what it says in verse 17. When he finally came to... Oh, wait, I missed 16. He persuaded... He persuade, okay, so he's in with the pigs. Verse 16. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. Wow. That's bad. That's hungry. You know. <laughs> but no one gave him anything. He had all that. He had all that money. He had his family. He had work. He had servants. Now he's at his end. 
but it's not over. Verse 17 says, when he finally came to his senses, mm -hmm. it was like he was out of his mind. Mm -hmm. I like King James. King James says, when he came to himself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. I'm not talking about that with, with these kids talking about, um, you know, I'm into my feelings. I'm not talking about that. Yeah. No, no. He came to his senses. Mm -hmm. He was out of his head. He came to his senses. He said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. Here I am dying of hunger. All right. This is where things turn around. And this is where we have to find ourselves sometimes. Given another chance. Are you willing to turn around? Right. Are you willing to? This is where repentance begins. It begins with that understanding that there's, there is a better way. He says, I, look at, what, look at what he said. This is very interesting, very important. I will go. I will go. His will had changed. Yes. Your will has to be involved when it comes to repentance. Mm -hmm. It has to be an act of the will. It can't be something you're doing for somebody else. Right. You can't repent because somebody else. You have to repent because inside of you, you know, I'm going the wrong way. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against you and against him. So it says, he came to himself, realizing those three things. I'm in need to turn around. That's repentance. Secondly, his father, he remembered his father. His father was generous. His father was kind because that's why he gave him, gave him his money. He was generous and kind. He remembered who his father was. He remembered how good his father had been to him. And the third thing is, and this is part I really like, he realized it was far better to be a servant at home than to have so-called freedom in a foreign place. Oh, wow. Psalm 84.10 says, a single day in your courts is better yes. than a thousand days elsewhere. I'd rather be a gatekeeper in the house of God than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. Verse 18 says, I will go to my father. I will go to my father. That's repentance. Now this is the part, this is the good part. Starting with verse 20. It says the father saw him from afar off. Now that doesn't mean the father was standing in his doorway looking out the door. This father was getting up every morning and going out to the field, to the end of the to the edge of the field, where he could see over the horizon and look for his son coming from the in the distance. And he sees his son coming. And he saw him from afar. He was in that far country. Psalm 139, 1 through 3 says, You have searched me, O Lord. And know me. You have you know me when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts afar off. You discern my going out, my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. So he saw him from the distance. He saw him afar off. And when he saw him, he didn't wait for him to come. He didn't run back home and say, that knucklehead, I'm just going to. When he comes, I'm going to tell him, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. I'm going to kick him back out. 
No, he ran to him. He ran to his son because he missed him. He wanted to be with him. God has always wanted to have fellowship with us. When his people were in the wilderness, he built a, he told them to build a tabernacle. And I want you to build an ark. And in that ark, I want you to put certain things. This would be the place of meeting. Because God always wanted to be with us. It says he kissed him. The word for kiss is the word philema. We see it in 2 Corinthians 13, 12, where it, Paul tells him, greet one another with a holy kiss. And in Luke 22, 48, it says, but Jesus said, this is when Jesus was about to be arrested, he told uh, Judas, Do you, you betray me with a kiss. That's the word philema. But the word here that he uses when it said, that, that Luke loses, that when he says he ran to him and kissed him, is a different word. It's cataphileo, which is he showered him with kisses. He started kissing him, and he's kissing all over the man. And I can imagine the son said, Dad, what's up? You know? But this is, this is how much he wanted his son. This is how bad he wanted his son. Yes. And he kissed him all over. He celebrated his son's return. And that last verse of the, of the chapter says he, he had talked to his other son who was upset. Because when he saw his son after he got done kissing him, he told the servant, go back and get the ring. Go back and get the, get the robe. Go back and get some shoes and put on his feet. My son, which was lost, oh, is found. My son, which is dead, is now alive. He's returned. And in the last verse, after the son got upset, because you celebrating this knucklehead who took the money and, and, and blew it, and here you are celebrating him, and the father tells him, we got to celebrate. We have to. Yes. Because my son is alive. He's returned. He yes. was dead. He's alive. He was lost. And he was found. Yes. I love this because it says they were upset because he eats with sinners. Aren't you glad you, that he eats with sinners? Yes. He eats with sinners. Song of Solomon, we never talk about Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 4 says, He brought me to the banqueting house and his banner over me was love. Yes. Wow. Yes. Zephaniah 2, 4, we read from it, but this it says, The Lord your God, in the midst of thee, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. Yes. He will quiet you and with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Yes. Can you imagine the universal, the God of the universe, yeah. dancing over you? Yes, Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Just glad to yes. be with you. Yes. This is the God we serve. Yes, sir. He loves us. Yes. Why? God is love. Yes. There is nothing you can do to stop him from loving you. Right. Why don't you give him to give your life to him? Yes. That's, you know, it's, it's beneficial. It's good for you if you give your life to the Lord. How many know what it means to once be dead and to now be alive? Amen. Give the Lord a hand for that. And if you want to know how to come to that place where you can have this love from God and know it, all right, 
Because the love is there, but you may not know it. Why? You might be lost. We get lost. It's easy to get lost in this world. There's so much out there. It's a wilderness out there. It's easy to get lost. But do with this tax. Remember the story. That, uh, this is another parable. The tax collector and the Pharisee are in prayer. One is praying, oh, Lord, aren't you glad I'm here? <laughs> Look at me. I am so good. I do it all. I got it all. I, I, I do it all right. Not like him. And that, that public tax collector who was hated, he was hated by his own people. He was hated by the Jews. He, did, was, he was disrespected by the Romans. He was, in a, he was a turncoat. A cheater, too. But when he died, it says, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven, but beat his breast. Sorry about that. And said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. That's where we need to be. That's where it all begins. That's where this young man found the change was when he realized I could have been, I could have had a better life than this. All I have to do is go back to my father. Yes. That's what this whole, these whole three stories are about are repent, which means what? Turn around yes. and go another way. Yes. There is a way that seems right mm -hmm. to a man, but the end there are all the ways of death. But there is another way. Yes. Jesus said, I am the way. Yes. I am the truth. I am the life. Yes, sir. No one comes to the father except through me. And then he turns around and says what? Come unto me. Yes. Yeah. Come to me. Oh. Yes. This is the one that created everything who loves. Mm -hmm. He just says come to me. He didn't say I'm going to beat you up if you don't. <laughs> he just has an invitation and says come to me. All you who are weary. You might not be weary. You might not be there where you think I'm just done with this. You might be one of those that is lost and you, you, you're good. No, I don't, I don't need Christianity. I don't need Jesus. I'm good. I'm going to tell you something. You think that way, you're lost and don't even know it. But one day, every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess. That means that what God has said is right. Whether you believe it or not. Like like uh, uh, Governor Newsom said years and years ago when they were about to pass that law, he said, whether you like it or not, this is God we're talking about. God loves you. He wants you to be saved. He does not want you to be lost. The scripture tells us what? He is, it is not his will that any should perish, That's right. but that all should come to repentance. Yes. Amen. Do you love the Lord today? Amen. Amen. Give him a hand for you.
place like home. That's right. You can go visit the Taj Mahal. You can go to one of the greatest resorts in the country, in the world. And I don't care how humble your abode is, there's no place like home. But home is where Jesus is. See, I, my homes before were all over the place. My mind was all over the place. As the preacher was preaching that message, and I'm like, I never saw it like I saw it today, where the young man said, I'm dying. Here I am dying with hunger. Hunger. He said, I'm dying. I'm dying. He didn't want to die. All right, all right. He wanted to live. Thank you, God. He wanted to live. He came to his senses. Thank you, God. I'm going home. Yes. I'm going home. Yes. We can, you know, we can do so much in our lives and cause so much havoc. And Sandy and I was married the first time and didn't know how to converse and, and deal with issues. The arguments would, I would just leave home and just drive. And I get so far away from home, I'm saying, what am I doing? And I go back home, but the divide was getting bigger. But here, 42 years later, I can't wait to get home. God did that in a personal way. But he's saying that as a preacher preached and that shares with us. Listen, if you don't, if you're not at home, you need to go home. You need to come home. You need to come home where the Lord Jesus is. You need to come to where the blessings are. You need to come to find out what your future holds. You need to come to where you can find rest for your soul. You need to come home. The song said, I'm coming home. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Amen. So we thank the Lord. So if you, you're here today, you out there in Zoom land, you out there in Facebook land, wherever you may be, you're in your home, but you know that you need to come home. You know that you need to commit your life to Christ today because he's tugging on your heart. There's an emptiness. There's a void. You, you, you may be at home, but you need to recommit yourself to God and to the things of God. Amen. We, we, don't, we don't come here out of form of fashion. We don't come here out of some religious duty. Uh, we come together as one in Christ to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that you don't have to be lost. You don't have to be stranded. You don't have to be in a far country. You can come home right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. And, and you know, it's, and, and you're coming to Christ in just a prayer away. It don't take no long elaborate thing. I remember when I came to Christ, it was so simple. Base, you're talking about base level. But God heard me. I said, God, if you really there, I said, far never God, if you really there, if you touch my body, I'll know you're there and I'll serve you the balance of my days. And whoop, he touched my body. And here I am today. I still know. If you're home today or wherever you are, and you just you see in your heart, Father God, forgive me for my sins. Lord, I recognize that I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. Thank you for showing your love to me on this day. Thank you for touching my heart and touching my mind and giving me a desire to want to come home. And so, Father, come into my life. Rearrange me. Write my name down in your Lamb's Book of Life. 
show me, Lord, how to contact you, how to hear from you. Lord, I surrender all to you. Just a simple prayer like that. And if you mean it from your heart, Christ will come in. And I guarantee you, you'll never be the same again. Once you've been touched by the power and the love of Jesus, you'll never be the same again. And you'll always look for home. Praise God. Let's go see the Lord here. Praise God.